Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Backstage Podcast. My guest this week is Evangelia Pavlakos. Eva and I have known each other since high school, and despite the fact that we haven't seen or spoken to each other since, I've been following her journey as an entrepreneur while becoming one of the most sought-after makeup artists evolving in the very competitive pop culture scene here in Quebec. This achievement has been anything but easy, and on this episode, she shares the challenges she faced and how she put aside a successful career to pursue her passion. I hope you enjoy this conversation. How's it going? Hi, good. How are you doing? I'm so happy. To, honestly, I, I'm happy to see you because um, I think from all the people that we were in high school with, you're probably the one. I mean, there's many, right? But uh, you're probably one of those a few that I, I it just disappeared <laughs> after yeah. school it's like whatever happened to Eva I mean what the you know where is she <laughs> what's happening well, you know what I mean you had your Socrates crew yeah. so uh, I never went to Socrates I went to Berkeley in Park X so already uh, the few Greeks that were in our high school I mean I was always the outcast don't get me wrong I, I made friends with the other Greeks uh, you know I still have uh, those same friends still today but, you know, you guys had a click from very young, so it's kind of hard to, like, get in there. <laughs> you think so? I mean... Yeah, no, no, you guys were all nice. Don't get me wrong. No, it's just, uh, you know, you just go with the flow, and you guys had your inside jokes and your Socrates, you know, anecdotes. Yeah. And, you know, when you're in high school, you're always trying to fit in and, uh, you know, do your best, etc. You know. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think I... the. I'm trying to remember now if I ever saw you because, you know, there's a lot of kids that, you know, we didn't go to college afterwards together. I mean, I didn't follow the rest of the people either. They all went to Vanny or Dawson or wherever they went. Right. And I thought, you know, look, uh, if I follow these guys in Sijip, I'll still be there when I'm 40. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, true. So. And I'm sure. And I see you online. You're still friends with uh, yeah, the no, high school crew. I mean, we, we, we never really uh, lost the touch. It's just that, you know, when, when, when it came time to go to Sijip, I, I went my own way and I was a ghost. I was like really in and out, you know, okay. Uh, okay. which is exactly what I wanted because everyone else, I mean, you know, I think of Chris who was in Sijip for four years, five okay. years. I mean, okay. he just, yeah. for, he just dumped Sijip and went straight to university when he got, <laughs> when he was yeah. one, you know, or 20, whatever the, the age is. Uh, so I think that was a good thing, but from all those people, and I'm trying to think, and Park X, I mean, it's such a small little bubble, right? I mean, yeah. you're going to yeah. eventually run into someone uh, at some point. And I, I think I saw you for the first time after high school in 2018 when I, when I, when I was campaigning. And yeah, I, you were there yeah you're right. And I was like, oh, my God, Jesus, how are you? And uh, it, it's just weird to me, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, like I said, I mean, we live in such a little bubble. I mean, everyone kind of runs into each other. Uh, and, you know, this is this is what's good and what sucks at the same time about social media. The fact that, you know, you're friends with everyone pretty much that, you know, you either grew up with or you went to school with. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of, you know, quote unquote, keeping up with them. But at the same time, you're not really, you know, <laughs> you're not really yeah. you know, staying in yeah. touch or whatever. I mean, you're following what's happening and, 
uh, you're seeing their their growth and their success or whatever ha- whatever's happening mm-hmm, in their life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and everything is nice and dandy. But then uh, you realize that I haven't really spoken to this person in I don't know twenty years. <laughs> you know? You're right. It's you're crazy. right. You're right. I feel I feel though. Um, you know, as you get older, you still make friends. But I think the friends that you make when you're a kid. Uh, it's a different type of friendship. There's no, I, I can't, I just have a few friends and they're my close friends and they're when I met when I was 15 and younger. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I still have other friends that I've met through adulthood, et cetera, but it, there's like a different connection. So I feel even though you and I haven't, you know, stayed in touch or maybe, you know, whatever, I feel that you knew me I don't know, at our, our innocence. So if something should happen to your success, I'll be so happy for you because, you know, I don't know, we grew up together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like you met someone yesterday and you kind of don't know them. Like, there's a history there. And you're yeah. like, oh, look what's happening, you know? And we're going to talk a lot about what you're doing because it's honestly very amazing. Uh, but uh, I, I want to get to high school before because obviously mm-hmm. we met, like you said, we didn't go to... You know, we didn't go to the same elementary school. We were like a small little gang that were together since uh, since elementary that kind of transitioned together into high school. And, you know, obviously in high school, we met other people like yourself and, mm-hmm. and other people like Nectar, mm-hmm. for example. We didn't yeah. Know, you know, yeah, you're right, you're right. We, we met him in high school. <laughs> and, you know, so you develop new friendships and stuff. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, the other day, I can't remember who I was with. I think I was with, uh, with Chris and we we're talking about high school and how that whole period was, you know, we often look back at high school and we're like, was it good? Was it not good? I mean, you know, we, it's, it's for me, at least it's this huge question mark where, yeah, we had fun and everything, but at the same time, it wasn't like, I don't know. I mean, and I don't know how to explain it, but we came out of high school thinking that it was probably going to be different or, uh, and it's just, you know, another five years that just passed. And, uh, I mean, for me, it's not much more than that. Like, if I had to go back, I wouldn't go back to high school. I would probably Never. go back to elementary, for example, where, mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know, uh, for some reason, I, uh, I, I'm, I was a lot more attached to that. I don't know. I don't know if it's the mm-hmm. same for you, but that's how mm-hmm. I felt in, in, in Stan. Maybe the fact that we were always, you know, hanging out together with pretty much the same group of people, uh, maybe that's why. I mean, it didn't really broaden our horizons. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what it is. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I think uh, high school, and I've spoken to, you know, whatever, your your colleagues or acquaintances that you didn't necessarily go to high school. You thought high school, this was it. This was life. So yeah. if you were the cool kid, then you'd be the cool kid forever. Or if you were like, I don't know what, the, the smart one, you'd be, I don't know, you'd become an astrophysicist. Yeah. And as we got older, and, you know, once you find yourself and you go through what you had to go through as a teenager, you realize that that cool kid was actually a loser. Or, you know, vice versa. Or, you know, the quiet one actually, you know, did great things or et cetera. So it's like a little bubble that I hope our kids, well, I'll try and, you know, emphasize that to my kids when they get to high school that, yes, you know, it's important to have friends and and stuff like that. But, you know, there's life outside of high school. And that's where, you know, CJEB University or whatever happens. It's it's funny that you mentioned that because I often think about that too, right? And, you know, with my wife now, I mean, my eldest started in elementary, like she's in kindergarten. And I'm I'm trying to think, okay, is she old enough to understand what I will tell her about the fact that kids are dumb? You know what I mean? Like, they do stupid things and like, don't worry about that. You know, anything that happens, we'll say like, it's so meaningless, you know? And, uh, and I mean, look, to some extent, I mean, 
we weren't bullies, but we did mean things too to kids. And, well, you we're know, kids we're, too, right? I know, exactly. And, you know, we have the other podcast where with Chris and, and you know, we've, I don't know how many times we've apologized <laughs> to all these kids that may be watching or not. I mean, we were mean to a couple kids, but it was, you know, because we tried to explain bullying on that podcast and on many shows. And I don't think we were necessarily bullies, but we were, I don't know. I don't know how to say it. I mean, we never hit kids or beat up kids or whatever it was more kind of teasing and kind of mm-hmm. that kind of stuff uh and you realize that we're so stupid like what the hell did we do that and there's all these stories that we keep reminiscing uh, about kids that we probably hurt their feelings you know some other kids that we ate their lunch <laughs> you know and at, and at that given time it was everybody was laughing even that kid that we ate you know his pizza yeah. or drank yeah. his coke or whatever everybody was laughing so we didn't think Oh, you know, am I damaging this person forever? Mind you, we didn't know if the other kid was laughing because he was afraid of, you know, you know, getting beat up or something, which we would never do. But we we don't know. And, you know, now as a parent, you think of all these things and you want to tell your kid that, you know, it's so meaningless, that phase. It's so stupid. Don't get caught up in all these things. And I'm, I'm in the same boat like you. I mean, I don't know if things have changed or if kids are different or if you know the whole system like the ecosystem in school has changed where kids you know the cool kids now are you know the nerds of back then mm-hmm, you know what i mean mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. You know, the environment friendly kids that are wearing i don't know biodegradable pants or anything yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> so maybe you, that's what's cool now you know and i i don't know uh, so. well you know what it's nice that you came to that realization that let's say you weren't the nicest to everybody there are some adults that continue bullying that that's how they were as kids and they just continue on bullying there's no self-reflection yeah, yeah. so the fact that you're thinking about this i mean you're you're i mean and you didn't do anything to what i remember no. i mean i don't remember thinking like oh my god george what a no but we never see horrible that. We were never troublemakers. We were never, you know, the, 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 the kids that were always punished or got expelled or like nothing. None of that happened. It's just that I, th- I think, you know, we, we just had fun, you know, and mm-hmm, enjoyed mm-hmm. ourselves. And even the kids that, you know, we would hang out with, I mean, we were kind of just making fun of each other and teasing each other mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't see it as a bad thing. And of, of course, I mean, maybe I can't remember, but perhaps we may have hurt someone's feelings or whatever. But I mean, I look at bullying now and it's so different, right? Because you're 10, 12, 11, 13 years old and you're already on social media and there's all these things that are happening mm-hmm. and it doesn't end at school. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you go right. and, uh, you know, at home and the next day everyone is talking. Like that, it, it didn't exist with us. Like Which our, was great. Of course it was great. I mean, you know, there was an embarrassing moment. You would fall or slip and fall in a water puddle or whatever. That was it. People would make fun of you. And the next day, it was like nothing happened. It was okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, now it's different. And it's tough to raise your kids, I feel. Uh, I mean, I don't know how old your kids are. Uh, but uh, I'm at that phase where I'm trying to think, okay, how do I, you know, teach my kids that you're going to go through things in school yeah you know you're gonna and get hurt you're gonna cry yeah yeah you're you're, and you're right don't worry about it yeah i mean I, I know but it's it does it doesn't my oldest one is 10 and he's in grade five and um there was like some kind of situation at school that happened between his friends on the playground and he wasn't too happy about it um and he came home and he was like why did they do this and this is like the end of the world for him you know and I'm like <laughs> yeah. just kids you know but i mean they have to go through the motions of it 
And um, what I did notice, at least in, in my kids' elementary school, is that they're very like anti-bullying. Like the kids are aware you cannot make fun of, etc. The bad thing is, well, not bad thing. It's great to have um, for them to be taught that. But then in high school, it's a different ballgame. It's like doggy dog. So I feel like these kids that have been sheltered in elementary school, which is great because you shouldn't be a mean person to begin with. Yeah. They're going to go through high school and then it's all hell, I feel, is going to break loose. Like, you know, the... Good point. I don't know. That's my opinion. Uh, we'll I mean, see. Yeah. I'm not there yet. But it's interesting because what you're saying is that they're going to go through this whole period uh, not kind of developing themselves to, uh, to encounter these things, right? And to grow from them or to learn from them. So everything is perfect. We're protected. Yes. You go to high school and it's like, what the hell just happened? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I, I exactly. just got shoved into my locker or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and then you're like, do I say anybody? Like, do I go to the teacher or I'm going to get beaten up after? So you, there are your options. I, I, you know, at some point I, I want to sit down with my parents and you know, we don't have that kind of relationship with my parents. It's not like I'm going to sit down and open up with them and how old are you and how did you, yeah. like we're not, the, but at some point I wish I could just sit down and, and ask them, how the hell were you guys raising us? Like, I mean, were these things happening in your mind? I don't think were, so. Were you thinking, oh, poor thing. I hope he doesn't get bullied in school. Like, I mean. I don't think so. No way. I, I mean, I mean, again, I, I've spoken to my parents about it after and they were like, what, what do you mean bullying? this is life you know like this is this is what's happening like there are no issues your kids we have issues we need to pay the bills we need this we need that so they're not they weren't conscious of it and in a way it was good but now us as parents where you're like oh how do you feel when that person told you you're stupid you know and and it, it gets too much you're putting more emphasis on the wound when the wound isn't even that big yeah I don't know, man. We'll see. <laughs> but just to go back to Stan, I mean, how how do you remember those five years or was it? Five, yeah, it was five years. Five years. Um, listen, uh, they were fun. They were nice. But if my kids, first of all, I don't live near Utrecht, so to send them to high school there is not an option. Uh, just you know, logistically. But I don't think I would send them to that school in particular, just the workload. I don't know. I had no life from 12 years old to 17. And I wasn't meant to have a life. I mean, I'm a kid. But I felt so much stress with the workload and the keeping up with the good grades because, you know, our parents instilled that on us to have good grades. So, you know, we could make something of ourselves and, you know, not have crappy jobs like they they did. But it was just a lot of work. And I feel like, was it worth it? You know, I don't know, but I'll never know. It's, it's the big question, man. Was it worth it? Uh, uh, you know, we, I've had this conversation with my friends so many times where, you know, how, you know, is the education system here the best, right? I mean, right. Uh, you see how it's developing in other countries and, you know, they, they, they've upgraded their way of teaching. Mm -hmm. are really centered around grades it's centered around interests you know what is the kid uh, better at and let's focus Mm -hmm. on that and kind of encourage them to pursue that kind of train um but i agree with you stan was just incredibly hard especially for the students that like me weren't (laughs) the top you know i mean i don't think i was the worst either but i mean i was kind of 
closer to the worst than to the best. Uh, no, George, I remember you being so well-spoken in French. You write beautifully in French. I, I you still know. do. I, you don't, still do. I don't remember that. <laughs> I remember. I remember. You used to get good grades in French, and I was, like, I struggling. I don't know about that. I remember, first of all, going into Sec 1, I could not understand a single thing that was coming out of these teachers. The accents, they were yes. speaking with a French accent. I was lost, and I remember yeah. talking about this with, with Nectar on the podcast when it was on. And I remember going into Sec One, and they're like, "Bienvenue en sixième," and I was like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> I just came from there, you know? and it was like reality, culture shock. <laughs> it was horrible for me, and then I couldn't understand. Like the first couple of months, I would get zero when we were doing the, you know, whatever the dictation or whatever it was. I just could not understand the words that were coming out of their mouth. Um, but no, it was very difficult. And I remember it was way more advanced. After high school, I went to a French CGIP. Okay, which one? Bode Boulogne. Yes. And yes. I, um, the books they were using for French for, for both years of CGIP was the literature book that we had in Sec 4 and Sec 5. Like, the, you remember that oh, big, thick book, blue book there that we had? Oh, yes. This big, thick blue book Crap. with all these excerpts and all that stuff. That's what we were using in CGIP. And I just came from high school. We were, we were doing that in sec four and five. And that's when, like, my, my eyes opened. I was like, what the hell was I? <laughs> like, is it even normal for a 14-year-old kid to be reading Baudelaire? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. What? I agree. Who can understand that stuff? You know, analyzing no. Maupassant or Balzac or... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so advanced. Uh, and again, like you, I don't know if that served any purpose. Uh, I, really, I, don't <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I asked my mom, I'm like, I've spoken to her about this. And she was like, it's culture. It was good that you learned this. And I'm like, okay, you're in, you're in another era of yeah. thinking, which yeah. is fine. But I mean, even my 10 year old now, he's reading a book about the Holocaust, about a particular family who's like running away from the Holocaust. And it's important for kids to know about history. Yeah. I just feel that he's very sensitive and yeah. he's taking this to heart. And I feel bad that at 10 years old, he needs to like, you know, I, I, I'm on the fence. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember when we started reading, you know, the... the, the excerpts from Anne Frank I think it was in mm -hmm. probably high school maybe we yeah yeah about Anne Frank yeah it's sad I mean in any war I'm, I'm not saying yeah. that it's the holocaust in particular I don't want him learning necessarily that you know uh you know women are getting raped children yeah. are getting murdered and you know it's all for territory or for whatever religious beliefs I I just want yeah. it to be a kid you know let him learn this when he's 20 yes that <laughs> wow what happened to you after high school? What, let's uh, let's uh, let's start there. Uh, I don't know what happened. What did no. you, what, <laughs> I, woke um, up, I woke up and I had to exactly where time went. Um, I after Stan, I think the French just traumatized me that I decided to go to uh, English. So my sister, who's older than me, went to Marinopolis. So I just followed what she did. It didn't matter. At that point, my parents were like, where do you want to go? Do you want to go to Dawson, Vanny, whatever? For me, it was English. My sister went to Marinopolis. I just followed and went there. And what was great about Marinopolis was like, wow, I can have a life because the workload that we went through with Stan was nothing compared to CJEP. 
Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. I was like, I would study as much as I did before and still get good grades, but not put in all those, you know, all that like anxiety or, you know, to, to make it. And then obviously I had to get a part-time job because my parents, you know, not imposed it, but they're like, you want to keep it up, you know? We were working. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. So, I mean, I had time to have a part-time job and pay my bus pass and whatever, get a pizza if I wanted to. So it was, it was nice. It, it was, it was nice. And then I, you know, I met other groups of, uh, of kids, other cultures, right. You know, uh, Indians, uh, Jews, um, Portuguese that were not necessarily present at Stan. Yeah. But hey, you know, you get to know different people. Montreal is multi multi ethnic. So sure. one way or another you were gonna, you know, mesh with them absolutely early on or later on. So so you followed a career because we're gonna talk about what you're doing now because you're obviously a very well known uh makeup artist. You're 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 really um involved and this is this is the, the great thing about what, what I love about the podcast, because, uh, you know, the idea was to bring f- to the forefront people that are working behind the scenes in whatever industry. Uh, and you're like smack in the middle of Quebec's pop culture, right? And, like, yeah. I mean, we see the pictures on magazines and on TV and all these things. And you're one of these people that are contributing to that, but nobody really knows. I mean, you're behind the scene. Uh, but, uh, and I remember reading an article about you at some point where this wasn't really what you had planned out. I mean, th- this was a passion of yours, but it's not really what you were thinking. Okay, I'm going to be a makeup artist, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, coming from Greek immigrant parents, <laughs> education was very important. So my dad, he always, he had two daughters and uh, his goal in life was for, well, his goal, one of his goals was for us to be happy, obviously healthy, but at the same time, not be dependent on a man. Uh, not in a negative way. It's just financial independence equals you don't need to be. It's the best, yeah. In, in a bad marriage or relationship, and you're stuck. So I guess you know, going to CJEP and then going to McGill, I went into accounting. I was like, okay, accountants always have jobs. I was good in math or accounting, and let's just you know go with the flow. And then as you graduate, then you get a job and you start working in um, you know companies. Um, I was just unhappy. You're just going with the flow. It's like, oh, did you get this interview for this job? Yeah, me too. Then you get the job. And then you're like doing, you know, whatever you're working and you're always comparing and you're like, where are you at in life? Where am I at? And uh, it came to a point where I had my midlife crisis at 25, really. So, So really now I'm turning 40 in January. It does not bother me one bit. I'm really, you know, I've had my midlife crisis at 25. So there was a change in me because I was unhappy and I couldn't understand why. So it took a few years to really self-reflect and see why am I unhappy? And then to accept that it's okay to be unhappy because it didn't make sense. I had a good job. I was making a good salary. I had benefits, you know, all of that, that enabled me to uh, make investments and, you know, to whatever, live a great life, a life that my parents wanted me to have. And then to just, you know, be at 29 years old and be like, not for me anymore. It it takes a hit. And not only did it take a hit for me um, psychologically, was that I was confronting people that I went through this whole, um, this whole journey and say, you know what, I just want to do makeup. And then, you know, you get these weird looks like makeup. What do you mean? You're just gonna, like, how are you going to live? What are you going to do? 
So I always wanted to do makeup, but I didn't know how I can make a living out of it. Is this one of those things that like from a young age, you probably loved it, but you never really brought it up because you knew that your parents. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that's what it was. So I had so much makeup at home and luckily you didn't see me in the siege of years, George, because I was a very colorful uh doing like all kinds of artistic stuff that was probably really ugly uh because i just needed you know that outlet and um i had told my mom i think at 19 i said well i'm gonna become a makeup artist and you know i'm gonna move to new york you know these big dreams and she was like no bring me home your diploma and (laughs) then you'll do what you want right so even when I announced to my parents at 29 years old, okay, this is over. Like, I'm not continuing this. And I felt so, I was so stressed to tell them. I didn't want to disappoint them. They spent so much money on my education. And here I am telling them, ah, I didn't have to do all that. I could have, you know, just yeah. bought a few, you know, eyeshadows and that's it. And they were like, fine, it's your life. Do what you want. And that was like a total relief. So there was a bit of self-acceptance. And then when I would tell people I'm a makeup artist and, you know, I'd have these judgmental looks, I'd be like, I'm, it's okay. You could judge it and it's fine. I would have judged it, but I'm, I'm happy now. So that's what's important. Were you already married? I mean, did you have a family when this uh, thing happened? Yes. So I was already married. Uh, I say 10 years is because when my son was born, that's when I consciously made the decision no more. So it was kind of like an excuse. It was like, I'm on maternity leave. Um, I'm getting, you know, these government checks because I'm entitled to. And then I'm trying to venture off uh, to do this, you know, whole makeup thing. But kid you not, I mean, it took a, a lot of years before I was able to make some money. It's, it's all about networking. It's all about who you know. It's all about getting jobs. So it took roughly around maybe five years before anything materialized economically so it was rough because again going back to what my you know parents would instill is like be financially independent and here i am financially dependent obviously on my husband but i mean it, that notion it, it was hard to swallow because you're also like you said i mean you're going from like this a very settled environment where, you know, financially everything is fine. I mean, you can make long-term plans and, and yeah. suddenly you're just thinking, okay, I'll become an entrepreneur. And then you have this life there that you have to care for now. Right. Right. Uh, how does all that process? I mean, uh, I understand the fact that you're like, okay, I've always wanted to do this. This is the real me. And I've been trapped into this, whatever world that my parents have always wanted me to have, or that society at large is kind mm-hmm. of pushing you towards, right? It's not only your parents, because your parents are also part of this whole society that tells them, mm-hmm. look, you have to go to school. And then from school, they're going to get a job. And these are the options, you know? I mean, we come from a culture where you're either an accountant, an engineer, or a doctor. I mean, that, that's yeah. three options yeah. that exist, right? So in their minds, I mean, you know, they want what's best for you. So just like in terms of your mindset, I mean, how do you, how do you transition from, you know, that comfort to saying, you know what, I'm throwing everything away here. Uh, this is what has to happen now. 
I think what happened with me in particular was um, obviously a very supportive husband who saw that I just wasn't happy. But I think when I was still, before I gave birth and I was still going to work, and even like a year before I even got pregnant, when Monday would hit around, I would get these really big headaches. So not my unhappiness was, was affecting my health or I would have a knot in my stomach. It was affecting me physically. So there's one thing to just push aside your feelings and be like, I'm unhappy, but shut up. You know what? Like I have it good. Uh, and there's another thing where you're getting physically sick. So again, I cannot say that I made the decision, you know what? I woke up no more. Let me quit my job. Uh, I had a child and it was kind of my scapegoat. It was like, okay, I'm going to have this baby. And obviously I was there for him during maternity leave, but let me see if I could kind of, you know, find out how to get into this uh, whole new industry. Mind you, before that jump, I was really researching a lot. I was researching it a lot about to become an entrepreneur. How many years does it take before you actually make a salary? And it's roughly about five to eight years, depending on your industry. Um, how long will it take for me to, you know, get contacts or et cetera? So I didn't just go blindly in and say, hey, this is it. Let me try it out. There was sort of like a plan behind it. And um, at that point, I had my second son. And I was on double maternity leave. So I had like an extra year and I was like, okay, good. So for an extra year, let's say financially, we're okay. And then when that kind of, you know, maternity leave stopped the checks, I was like, okay, let me just continue. I'm making a bit of progress. And, uh, you know, I didn't have my husband breathing down my throat. No, you have to go to work. He's like, okay, do it, do it. I, I trust you. I trust your, your, your vision. Go for it. And it, it, it was really his help. I cannot take credit much for it. Well, it's obviously a huge part, right? To, to, to know that you have that sort of support system around you uh, to kind of push you. I mean, I, I, something very similar happened with my wife too. I mean, when we had our first daughter, you know, she was working in a huge law firm downtown. She was doing, you know, communications and all this media related work. Uh, you know, huge, huge company, like all the benefits in the world. You know, we, we, we used to live downtown. So it was literally just 10 minute walk away from, from, from home. Uh, and same thing happened. I mean, when, when we had our daughter, the first one, um, she kind of went off into that whole mindset as well, where she thought it wasn't like you, where it's like, I, this is my passion. I need to follow it. For my wife, it was more, I cannot go to work and not be home with my kid. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I want to be, you know, as long as it takes for her, you know, before she goes off to school, I want to be able to capitalize on those whatever four or five years, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and that's when she started slowly, slowly taking over her dad's business, and uh, and she's done fantastic, right? So, uh, it, it, you know, I, I can relate to what you're saying because it takes like this one little thing to kind of spark everything, uh, and then suddenly you're on this new course, and of course it's challenging, but um, yeah, no, I can I, I can I can feel how you you know I can I can put myself in your husband's shoes where it's like. You know, even even from my from my from my end, it was like, uh, of course you're gonna do it. And you know, we, we were having all these conversations before that. It's like your dad has a company. You're the, you're an only child. Uh, I mean, it's established, and that's something that we didn't have growing up. I mean, I don't come mm -hmm. from this background. My parents were both, you know, working class people, uh, and I always envied other kids whose parents had businesses mm -hmm. because I always thought that, well, obviously, I mean, your dad has a business. Good for you. I mean, you have something that you can 
take over and build and develop and and we didn't have that right uh, and so when i met my wife i mean it was the first thing i asked i'm like why aren't you involved with your dad about you know and her too it was just you know she was in that same kind of uh, mentality where it's like you're going to go to school you're going to get a better job because this is just what i'm doing to take care of the family but uh, I mean, there's so much potential to take it to the next level. I mean, why not focus on that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's amazing. It's It's been great. And uh, I mean, the stress in, uh, that we went through was probably bigger than yours because I was working in politics. And it's like at any point in time, it could just end. Like, that's it. Like, you know, there's like the job security in politics. You're like, we're in the negatives. <laughs> like, it doesn't exist, you know? So, uh, I mean, that was a little bit stressful. But um totally relate to that and uh i i meet so many people that are lost because of the way that we're brought into this you know whole i don't know professional world you know mm -hmm. from school. uh and uh you know i had the privilege over my over the last years to meet with a lot of you know education professionals that are kind of trying to change things up uh you know there's all these alternative schools now that are that are coming up where you know like i said before kids aren't really you know, they're not focusing so much on the grading system, but they're like, okay, what are you strong at? What are your passions? What? And they're kind of, you know, they try to educate the kid according to, to that kind of path. And uh, we'll see how that turns out in the next, you know, 15, 20 years, let's say. But um, uh, I think also what helps is that, you know, we're, we were born here and we are aware of different jobs out there. So, I mean, if your daughters come to you and be like, you know, I'm good at this, what can I do maybe as a prospective career, you can guide them more. Whereas I'll speak for my parents. It was like, no, you need to work in an office. They didn't know what an office job did. They didn't know that there was like bullying there too, or like psychological warfare from certain people, you know, them it was like, no, 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 you, an office job is a, is a, a you know, good job. That's what you need whereas now you know um if if my kid wants to be pick up garbage that's his like passion i mean obviously i'll be like hey maybe you know i don't know what develop something else with garbage as opposed to picking it up you know you'll be able to guide them a bit better at least in my case are i think you, are, are, are you the type of parent that is going to uh be much more open-minded or are you mm -hmm. this is a question that always comes up with you know with the people that i talk to you know, we realize certain things because of the way that we were brought up, right? And we know that, okay, none of that shit worked. We could have done so many other different things. And, you know, maybe CJP wasn't necessary or university wasn't necessary. But now as a parent, I mean, how do you think of it? Would you want your kid to have that diploma? I mean, do you see the value in it as much as your parents did? Or are you really oh, yeah. minded to the point where it's like, listen, don't worry about it. If you don't like school, it's fine. Are you that kind of open mind? Are you like the other extreme? I don't think I'm somewhere in the middle. Like, obviously, I don't want them to, you know, finish high school and be like, I'm going to start off, you know, I don't know what, open up my business. I mean, yeah, maybe it will work for them. But what if it doesn't? They, they kind of need like a plan B, right? And even with me, with my accounting, I mean, it's been 10 years since I've done any accounting, really. Um, let's say this whole makeup thing just evaporates. Um, there is kind of like a plan B. I think I'll, I'll, I'll try and teach them to my best of ability to, you know what, go after what you're passionate about, but like make a career out of it. It's not for fun. Unfortunately, you know, life is not fun. You're going to have to provide for yourself at the very least, but have maybe a plan B. And if that means getting a diploma afterwards before, I don't know. I don't know. 
we'll see. It's tough. Let's get into the into the industry because, like I said, I mean, you're you're really like smack in the middle of you know Quebec pop culture. How do how do you get there? I mean, you know, was this part of your plan? I mean, how how did you imagine it? I mean, did you think? going to do weddings or I'm going to go work at a hair salon and just do makeup or or was this really the end goal like I want to be in this scene um I think everything happened just organically um when I was in accounting I was working let's say 70 hours a week um on the weekends I had taken up a job this is me being naive so this is around when Facebook started you know social media Instagram did not exist so I didn't know how to go about it so I would pick up all these Quebec magazines and look up who are the teams um I would see what kind of work they would do and then um over the weekends already I was working a hefty five-day shift I would uh I started working at Mac Cosmetics which is a makeup counter in Fairview so I would go work there part-time thinking oh my god they're gonna grab the you know these tv people they're gonna come to this counter and like hire us so there were mistakes along the way do not get me wrong there were mistakes there was a lot of cold calls a lot of rejection a lot of um uh, you know, emailing people, never getting responses back. And then finally, uh, the way it actually started to happen is people were getting, you know, somebody called in sick. And then, you know, they, somebody would text me like, hey, you had contacted me months ago. Are you available? And uh, I drop everything. I literally drop my kid. Like my, I have a great mother-in-law. She doesn't live too far from me. And I'd be like, I called her, I'd call her. I'm like, can you take care of him? I need to leave now. And no questions asked. She's like, yeah, bring him over. I would like dump him. And then that's how it starts. So uh, a lot of that actually. Um, And trying to make contacts, working with people who are at the same level as you, trying to create projects, uh, trying to, you know, show the work on social media and uh, little by little. But again, it was a long road. It It was five years of that more or less. And there's still hustle, George. I mean, even now, it's not like I just sit back and people, you know, the, the phone is ringing off the hook. It doesn't work like that. There, there is a lot of still hustle. It's just now I know how to play the game a bit better. Well, I mean, you've also made all the contacts in that, in that scene, right? Like, uh, you know, who's making uh, what commercial or who's working on what project, who's involved in magazines, you know, photography, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And, and I think you're pretty well connected there. So, But there's still politics in this. It's like in any other industry, there's politics. So, I mean, there are certain projects right now that I will not get just because I'm not a part of a certain clique or I haven't had the, I didn't put enough work in, in my career yet to achieve that. So it's all these little stepping stones, milestones, getting your name out. Is there is there like a, this certification you need to get? I know that for actors and for anyone that works kind of uh, in this industry, there's this, I don't remember what it's called. It's like this UDA. UDA or ACTRA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's a union behind it. For you to work in television or in uh, cinema, you need to be a part of the union. But and it's called one in the industry, like including the makeup artists as well? Yes, yes, everybody. So ACTIS, it's A-Q-T-I-S. It's a union for all the technicians. So everybody behind the camera is, is a technician. 
And then after in the technician, you you have different departments. You have your makeup, you have your you know, cameraman, you have a preneur de son. Sorry, I don't even know it in English. Sound guys, um, yeah. yeah, sound guys. Thank you. So for you to do TV, you, you kind of need to get into that union. But even getting into that union, it's a lot of work. You have to build up credits. You have to prove that you did this and that. So that too, I got it uh, a few years ago. It was like I was I was crying when I got it because I was like, oh my god, all this effort to just you know be able to do a bit of TV, it, it takes a lot. And I feel that people who start off in makeup, I'll just talk about makeup, they get discouraged or they can't not have a salary for five years. It's not uh, it, it doesn't make sense. So they they let it go unfortunately, and they move on to something else. Yeah, that is sad. I mean, is are you where you want it to be? Like, is this like the comfort zone right now? Like, this is where you want to be? Or is there like any other aspirations? Like, like you mentioned New York, for example. Okay, so New York is not going to happen. I, I've come to that realization years ago. And the reason behind it is because it, it, it's a different market. Okay, I'm not Jennifer Lopez's makeup artist. So it's, it's not going to go there. If I wanted to make it in New York, I have to move there and start at the bottom again, which at my age and, you know, with my family, it just doesn't make sense. For me, my ultimate goal before going into this was to make a good living, to be able to live off of this and, you know, just, just to make enough money, just to be happy in what I do. And I, I feel like I have gotten there. Um, as a Capricorn, though, nothing is ever good enough. So, I mean, there are more aspirations. I do want to do certain, you know, I have a certain vision of how I want this, my career to go, what kind of projects I want to do. That's a work in progress. Will I get there? I don't know. But for now, I'm really happy that I can do what I love. And don't get me wrong, George, there are bad days. There are bad days. But the difference between the bad days now that I, I'm in this industry versus the bad days that I had when I was in, account, in accounting is I deal with them better. I don't bring them home. Bad in day, obviously. I mean, because you're, you're, you're doing what you want to do and you're doing what you like. So the hard days are, are much more acceptable. It's like yes. part of the job. I mean, at least you're enjoying what you're doing. And I mean, you take it for all the good things and you take it for all the bad things as well. Whereas, you know, when you're working for someone else and you're in a cubicle and you're like, yeah. It's true. It's true. And um, the, at least the line of work that I do is one day jobs, more or less, maybe two. So if I'm shooting a commercial, if I'm doing a photo shoot. So I still meet people I don't necessarily like to work with, but it's one day. I know like at five, six o'clock, it's, it's over. I don't have to see you for maybe a few months, a year, you know? How does it work? I mean, like when you're working with, um, you know, producers or photographers or whatever, is there like this relationship where, let's say, for example, the photographer that has a shoot is going to be like, look, she's my makeup artist, whatever I do, this is the person I call? Or yes. Okay. Yeah, that's how it works usually. So um, if there's a photo shoot for pictures, uh, the photographer is usually the one who gets hired and then he'll hire his team. So that'll be like photographer assistants, um, the makeup artist that he or she likes to work with, uh, stylist. And obviously if the project is really big, then there's more people. There'll be one person for hair, one person for, for makeup. There are instances where I have relationship with the client, let's say with sport experts, and they really like working with me. And no matter who they hire as a photographer, they impose, let's say, 
me to the team. But at the end of the day, you have to learn how to work together. And chances, more chances than not, I already know the photographer anyway. So it's it's not so much as a big deal. In television, the, in television though, it's uh, it's the producer who hires the whole team. And, you know, you have to get along. And sometimes there's even fights on sets between, you know, people behind. But that's an, that's another story. That's like unprofessionalism at its best. Love it. Love it. You see, I, that's what I would enjoy. Because <laughs> no. I'm, I'm stupid like that. It's like, okay, the makeup artists are fighting. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I swear to God, there's been an instance I heard, not with me, where uh, two makeup artists were on set. And, um, you know, some of them want a lot of space you know, and they were fighting over how they were going to split the table. I mean, okay. <laughs> it sounds so stupid, but it's like, it's, it's like, it's there. Uh, look, obviously, obviously it's a very competitive uh, industry, right? Like you said, I mean, um, and now, especially, I mean, see, when you started social media didn't exist. I mean, it did, but it you know, you, I should have gone on that bandwagon before. Well, but you grew along with the creation of social media. See, like Instagram didn't exist. I mean, Facebook was there, but it was still at an early stage. I mean, now uh, kids could do whatever they want, you know. Mm-hmm. There's, mm-hmm. There's, TikTok, there's all these platforms and it's so, well, I don't want to say easy, but I mean, you know, there, there's, there's way, there, there's so many more mm-hmm. tools you to get kind yes. of distinguished right uh and yeah. especially in your industry where everyone is on these tools and on these platforms i mean it, it's obviously very competitive i mean how, how do you how do you keep an edge uh, over all these uh you know quote-unquote newcomers like how do you how do you always make sure that you're always standing out there, there's all there's always going to be newcomers in in any industry that there is i think um the the most important is is keeping strong relationships Okay, so obviously you need to keep abreast over what's happening, basically always getting better in your craft, in your skill, in your art, uh, and and promoting that. But it's a lot of, you know what, keeping in touch with people who've hired you in the past, um, keeping a good relationship going, because a lot of times people, especially now with COVID, they want to work with people they know. They don't want to try out that new person who has 20,000 followers because sometimes on-set etiquette is just as important as the job itself, you know, by being quiet or being professional or just not like talking about your, your personal life is just as important as, you know, doing the job. It's funny because, and again, we come back to the way that we were brought up, right? Because I've met people who, from a young age, their parents were smart enough to put them in, 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 in a context where the, the friends they would make at 13, 14, 15 years old were inevitably going to be like the next businessman or next right. businesswoman just because of, you know, their environment and because of the families and, you know, the business. We, we didn't have that, right? I mean, we... Mm-hmm. Our parents didn't understand the importance of networking and meeting people and how important creating and maintaining relationships is, right? Uh, and, and it's weird that, well, it's not weird. I mean, it, it's good that it happens, but for many people, it happens much later in life. Like, you know, you, you were nearly 30 years old and you're like, okay, I need to start networking. How do, how do I yeah. do it? Like It's like this whole new kind of education that you got to put yourself through, right? And you're alone now. I mean, you, there's no school, there's no program that is going to teach you how teach to you that. 
You know? You're totally right. And I have a cousin, actually. He's, he just, um, he's getting into the world of photography and he's going to graduate soon. And he kind of asked for, for help. I mean, I'm not a mentor in any way, but he said, you know, how do I go about it? And I just explained to him just a bit, like just network and gave him a few tips on how to do it. And from my perspective, and he wrote back, he's like, oh my God, the school never has mentioned this to us. Like, this is the way to go or, or what not. Um, it, it, sometimes it, it kind of helps for somebody to tell you the obvious. Yeah. Because you get so discouraged by um, the magnitude of, oh, where am I going to start? Where, you know, little steps. And ultimately, I think um, today's generation, it's all about fast, like going up fast. And it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It, it takes hard work and dedication. And you either have it or you don't. You have to stay motivated. And as artists... Um, and when I mean artists, I mean it at large, people that are behind the camera who are entrepreneurs and who live the highs of, you know, great projects and the lows of, you know, not getting called a lot. Uh, you constantly have to find that inner motivation to continue or else it, it doesn't make sense to do this type of work. Right. Tell me a little bit because, you know, obviously, you know, this whole industry that you're in is much more. Uh, you know, woman dominated. I mean, uh, of course, there's probably male uh, makeup artists. I, I, I don't know. I mean, but I would assume that there's much more women doing this role. Comparing that to, for example, the atmosphere, the environment that you were in in accounting, where, of course, there's women, there's men. I mean, but just in terms of the competition uh, and how fierce it is compared to now, um, is that a, is that is, is there a difference there? I mean, do you feel much more at ease knowing that, okay, yes, there are women makeup artists, but at least I'm in a smaller pond where I can distinguish myself much better than in the accounting or in the business uh, industry where you were before? Um, I do think, though, listen, there are more women makeup artists than men. There are, there are a lot of men, don't get me wrong, but it, it's mostly women. That's how it just is. Um, oddly enough, um, it is competitive, but we're, it's also a nice community. So oftentimes when a makeup artist cannot do a job because he or she has another job, we are constantly referring each other. Wow. So well, there is that camaraderie uh, amongst us to give you know the jobs and but at the same time there's a trust system so basically if i can't do a job and i and i refer my friend well that friend yeah. better not steal you know what i mean there's like a little code of listen you replace me now and you know but next time i'm gonna take it back you know it's the way the game works you know you do a favor you're appreciative but that's it you're not going to start going and uh stealing these other you know yeah. other jobs or like becoming best friends with with this team um with accounting though i i don't know my heart wasn't in it so obviously there was more men where i used to work and they were very driven. I just didn't understand why they were so driven. Just because I just didn't, I just, I don't know, it wasn't for me, right? Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I mean, uh, look, I think it's important to, to, to be driven in anything that you do and to, to do it with passion. But it's funny how you're, you're, you know, you're in this environment, you're like, you don't want to be there. And then you're seeing people kind of give value to something that you don't. And you're like, 
dude, it's just fucking numbers, man. You, you know, you're it's bad. true. It's true. And oddly enough, like I would in my jobs, I would I would give my one hundred percent, not one hundred and ten. I would do a good job, but then in my um, you know, like the evaluations you get from your managers, you'd be like, "Where's your motivation?" And I thought I would, I was hiding it very well, but I guess they they were they had really great perception. Um, I just, I don't know, I was just doing the minimum just to get by to get, let's say, that two point five percent raise, and you know, just move on with life. But I guess they did see it in a way. And you're right; other people were really passionate about like numbers and how the business was going, which which now I realize is great for them. But it, the fit was not for me. Uh, what, what's next now? So you've been doing this for what ten years? Over ten, 10 years. What, what's, uh, what's in the plans? I mean, what, what are you, what are you, what are you working on? Listen, um, I don't know what the plan is because, in all honesty, the industry is filled of young people. So sometimes I'm in um, in projects where I'm the oldest person there. Okay, so I question where are the old people, the old makeup artists? They're around. They're from what I understand, they're doing more cinema, which is really not what I want to do. I'm not interested, but I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years from now I'll I'll have a change of heart. For me, I'd like to retire as a makeup artist. Uh, I hope I will get to that point. It's a very um, tough job because it's very physical too. I'm like carrying all my stuff. Sometimes there's no elevator. I'm going up flights of stairs, uh, unpacking. Now with COVID, I'm constantly disinfecting. It, it takes a toll physically also. Because I lived a life where I wasn't happy in my job, I don't want to go back to to that. I don't want to go back to accounting or anything other than doing makeup. But time will tell. And if I may say something, uh, my first my first core class in McGill, it was statistics because I went into you know management. And the old teacher had told us, which I still remember, he said the average person in life changes careers three times. Right. And at the time I was what, 19, 20, whatever I was. And I felt like, what is he talking about? Like you finish in something, you do it until you die. <laughs> yeah. And and it's funny when I, when I changed careers at 29, I was like, wow, this is career number two. And as I'm um, getting to meet a lot of people in my industry, you know, people I do makeup, they come from different walks of life. And we, a lot of people have changed at least two times their careers, some even four so I'm hoping it'll stop at number two, but I'll be open to a third career maybe. Who knows? Uh, I took up enough of your time, uh, Neva, honestly. Um, first of all, it was, it, it was nice catching up uh, with you. Um, I mean, at some point, I don't know if there's ever going to be a reunion or... <laughs> Wasn't there a reunion planned at some point or no? There, there was something that happened at, uh, I can't remember what bar it was, uh, downtown. Santos. That's right. Yeah. So we yeah. went there, but you know, we saw a couple of people. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't a real reunion. <laughs> you know, guys, come, come and party, kind of thing. I was like, all right. Uh, and thankfully, you know, the, we had Facebook, or else I don't think we would have gotten invited, to be honest with you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know, man. There's a, the, you know, as as we grow older, you know, you kind of look back and you remember all these people, and you know, you wonder, you know. Where are they? What are they doing? Uh, I don't know if it's normal. I'm guessing it's normal, but uh, it'd be nice to kind of uh, 
you know, see all these old friends and catch up. And uh, I'm really, I'm really glad. I mean, like I said, I've been following you ever since, you know, social media came along because before that, you know, we had lost touch, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm glad that you're, you're doing something that you're passionate about. It shows. Um, and, uh, and honestly, genuinely, I'm, I'm very happy for you. You're so sweet. Thank you so much for inviting me. I don't usually talk about myself, so this kind of feels weird. <laughs> but thanks. <laughs> Therapeutic, too. There you go. Uh, I appreciate your time, and I appreciate you. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll get to see you, uh, I don't know, whenever this whole career <laughs> Thank At some point, we'll run into each other. I appreciate your time, George. Thanks, Eva. Bye.